And welcome back to Nerd Shit. Nerd Shit. Nerd Shit. Today we're reviewing the showdown of the month. Godzilla vs. Kong. This is going to be a full spoiler review of Godzilla vs. Kong. So make sure you watch this movie. Whether it's in the theater or on HBO Max. I'm Sam Wilson. I'm Troy Hensley. I'm Zach Schneider. And Troy, I, I wanted to formally congratulate you on the air for your uh, awesome uh, acting opportunity that recently presented itself. Thank you so much. I just booked my first SAG sitcom. Woohoo! Hell yeah! Yes, congrats, congrats. I suppose you can't really say anything uh, on air about it, probably. But I can, <laughs> I can say that I'll be working with a, uh, with a two-time Emmy Award-winning director, which I'm excited about. And I can also say that I'll be playing a Danny DeVito-esque character. So I get to say all kinds of stupid shit and laugh about it on and off camera. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I would have it absolutely no other way. All right, let's get into some pre-show topics. There was a new trailer for The Suicide Squad, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad that came out this past week. Did you guys get a chance to watch it? Yes. I did. I liked it. I actually liked both trailers. Apparently there was some weirdly some backlash to the first one. Not much, but apparently some people weren't too big a fan of it. I liked both. I thought they both displayed a pretty fun looking movie. I don't know if I watched the first one or not. Maybe it was the second one I didn't watch. I don't know. I watched a trailer the other day. Maybe I watched the wrong one. I'm not <laughs> sure. But but yeah, I agree. I think it looks good. I think it looks fun. I'm excited because it looks like they're taking all the elements from David Ayer's Suicide Squad that worked and then pretty much wiping the slate clean other than that, which I think is actually a smart way to do it. It's like you can, hmm. you can do a kind of a soft reboot without actually contradicting the previous movie. And I think that this will hmm. establish that the previous movie happened in continuity. Oh, yeah. But we're just starting over. You know, this is still, we still have Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. We still have Viola Davis as, uh, as Waller, Captain Boomerang, a couple other characters too, but yeah, I think James Gunn is a really good fit for Suicide Squad, and I think that it looks like a lot of fun. From what I got the impression, this is this is a squad that has been around for a few years, so it is letting the previous movie establish this is the first run of the squad, and this is the squad after some time, after the program has found its groove, if nothing else. All the characters exactly. that we're going to leave have left. You know, the mm-hmm. ones that weren't popular with the fans. <laughs> <laughs> and then they brought in some uh, unexpected but weirdly popular ones. Uh, King Shark is always a joy to see in any adaptation. I was surprised to see that Sylvester Stallone is playing his voice. Yes, I think that's kind of perfect. I'm overjoyed. Honestly. That's fantastic. I think it's going to be <laughs> awesome. It looks so much better. I'm a shark! I'm a shark! You shark is a, a shark! shark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it looks very, looks very entertaining, very colorful, a lot of good humor. There was also a new trailer for the uh, Loki TV show on Disney+. Plus. Did you guys get a chance to watch this as well? I have not seen it yet, but I pulled it up, and if you look at the screenshot, it kind of looks like there's a dick pointed at Loki's mouth. So it makes me really happy. I know you probably don't want to hear that, but I'm going to share my screen right quick with you so that you can see it, so that you can see the dick pointed at Loki's mouth. 
<laughs> and that's what I'm talking yeah. about. Sure, okay, it's a little bit of a stretch, but... <laughs> well, he will need to stretch to fit that dick in his mouth. Right? Yeah, yeah. 12 <laughs> inches at least. Now I'm picturing some, uh, some Reed Richards Loki slash fiction, but... <laughs> <laughs> I am down for this kind of trailer. <laughs> I am down for this show. <laughs> Oh, Tommy boy. <laughs> this trailer did make me say one thing, and that thing was, wow. Mainly because of the presence of one Owen Wilson in this uh, in this show, apparently. I love how Owen Wilson is playing a character who clearly has an enormous amount of authority over this space-time organization, and yet he is playing it exactly as Owen Wilson plays most roles. So he's like... Yeah, Loki, you're God where you come from, but you're going to have to play along a little better with people here. <laughs> that was a really good Owen Wilson. <laughs> I love Loki. I love Tom Hiddleston. And I think from the trailer, like, I, I wasn't as interested in this show at first just because I'm like, where can they really go? But, like, it seems like they're going to go in some delightfully weird directions with it, which I'm, oh. I'm kind of, I'm just excited to see like what weirdness they, they, they do with this show. And I'm, I'm just down mm-hmm. to see, you know, Tom Hiddleston as the lead this time, you know, he's always been in these mm-hmm. movies as, as a supporting character, but to see him as the lead is going to be, I think, really entertaining. I think this is going to set up the uh, new multiverse, the new villains coming in. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all that world building that they're doing. And it's mm-hmm. it's marvelous that they're doing it through basically web series. The uh, Falcon and uh, Falcon Munch, and whatever Soldier. his name is. Um, <laughs> I hate the Winter Soldier. I really hate him. <laughs> and then we have uh, WandaVision, which was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're building this instead of using all of these all of these movies, they're building it in shows pushing their platform so i'm excited troy have you been watching the falcon and winter soldier so far have you been keeping up with it i have just because we have friends in that show so i have to support it i am excited to get into these captain america movies because like i i didn't know that you were just so anti that character and all of his supporting friends for whatever reason, but I have a lot of kind of conflicted thoughts about Falcon and Winter Soldier. We're about, as as of recording, we're about halfway through the show. The biggest mark against the show, which is actually not a small mark either, is that we're three episodes in and I could not, for the life of me, explain what the main characters are trying to do. I know individually some of their conflicts, what they're individually working through. I know what Bucky is trying to work through as a person. I know what Sam is trying to work through as a person. I don't know why the fuck they care about whatever the main plot is. I don't know what the main plot is. It's so nebulous, I have no idea what they're actually trying to do, or why they're willing to go to such lengths to achieve their goals of the main plot. I will say that you're supposed to tell me the problem in the first episode. Whenever you go to write a show, you are supposed to show the problem within the first 20 minutes of the first episode. Mm -hmm. These are not long episodes, so it should be shown in the first 10 minutes or so. But they haven't done that. They tried to establish the family of Sam, which is fine. And it's fine because I have a couple of friends that are in that, in that area of film. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, yay, I get to see them. And uh, we went to school with Gabby. So we got to see Gabby on, Mm -hmm. on screen. And I was like, yay 
paid for her. She booked Marvel. Oh yeah, we we both we both have worked with uh, Charles. Charles. Yes, Black. we both yeah, have worked was, with Charles, yeah. and Charles yeah, is amazing. Him, yeah. But I I don't like the show. They haven't given me a problem. They haven't um, told me why I care about these characters. Because I'm going to tell you, they're trying to rewrite Bucky, which is fine. Make me like him. I don't like Bucky, and there's a lot of people that watch Civil War that does not like Bucky. He's just a white boy who doesn't want to own up to the responsibilities of things that he's done. I agree with Zach that the main plot is so nebulous. I have a really hard time following this show. And I, I've said this before that like the both the first episode and the third episode I had to watch twice. Not because it wasn't because like I love this episode so much I have to watch it a second time. I had to watch it a second time just to like comprehend what happened in the episode. Mm-hmm. Like the story is not well explained at all really and i also agree with you troy that i think that the first episode was just way too slow and like you're selling me on this show that's about you know sam wilson my namesake and bucky barnes teaming up i don't really consider this to be a spoiler for the first episode but like they don't interact at all in the first episode we go an entire episode of a six of a six episode show we go the entire first episode that's supposed to be this buddy show where the two main characters never even have a scene together and i agree like a lot of the stuff with sam's family in the first episode i thought was just kind of dull i did actually enjoy the bucky story more so than the than the sam wilson story I still enjoy the show because I do like the Captain America movies and I think that this feels like a good direct continuation of those movies in a way. And I I, I just enjoy seeing the characters that I love in these shows that have almost movie-like production qualities. Like, it's just fun. Mm -hmm. And it's scratching my MCU itch since it's been so long since we've had an MCU movie. So I enjoy the show for that reason and I enjoy the show because we get to see the interactions and the banter between these characters, which I think is really fun that's the main reason why i like the show so i enjoy the show but i also agree with you guys's thoughts again we are going to review it once the whole season's out we'll go ahead and do an episode on it because there's there's a lot more to get into and i i want to also do a full review once we've had a chance to see the whole show as a pro i would like to say i'm bitchy and grumpy about it because i do have to watch it because we do have friends that we have to support But as a pro, I will say, I do look forward to seeing maybe more flashbacks of Bucky's life. And with them bringing in the characters that they have brought in, we may get to see that. It's a show that has a lot of moments and a lot of scenes that are actually really strong. It just doesn't really hang together as a whole. That's that's really the problem with it. Okay, one last... I didn't put this in the notes, but one last topic I just want to kind of toss in there. I'm not sure if you guys have heard about this, but there there was a brief teaser trailer they did for season two of star trek picard where they reviewed that q is coming back i don't know if you guys have seen this i have that's not the worst place to have that q was very much the bookend character of star trek the next generation kind of a reminder that while this is an episodic show there is an overarching concept an overarching theme of is humanity really improving He's also a deeply important part of Picard's life, so I can understand why, at a time when Picard would actually be struggling with that question himself, which was much of the issue with season one, that this would be a good time for Q to return and bring up that question again. I see Q as the Joker and Picard as Batman. They both really enjoy each other. 
You really can't have one without the other. They've tried. They tried Q in a, with the other captains, and it just didn't work out. He got punched in the face, and it just didn't work out. <laughs> I just don't understand why Cisco's fist just didn't go through his face. It's like, why would he let himself get punched? That's the thing with Q. Why? <laughs> the thing is, and I'm going to sound like an idiot when I say this, no one wants to see an aging Q. I don't know. Maybe there's a way they can justify it with dialogue. It's like, oh, this is my, this is my commentary on you know the the aging humanity or i don't know something like that i don't know but like it, it it doesn't make sense why he would look older they ran into the same problem with brent spiner to be honest and they, they were able mm-hmm. to somewhat mask it with the with the data makeup but like he still looks kind of different like he actually mm-hmm. does even with the makeup like data in season one picard did look a little bit different but it worked and then and then actually seeing brent spiner play the other character was fun there is no way q would age in the little bit of time that picard uh has aged mm-hmm. He would still look the same. Well, Q can look however Q wants to look. So if there's some reason why he wants to look older, but like, yes, it would be, I kind of, I actually do kind of agree with you, Troy, though. I actually kind of do. I've got one potential line that explains it. Oh, look at us growing old together, Jean-Luc. Just a flirty, half-serious comment. (laughs) If they did it that way, then I would say, okay, well done. And then I'm down for the ride. I'm, I'm just excited to see some momentum on season two of Picard because I, I was actually a fan. I know that not everybody was a fan of season one of Picard. I really liked season one of Picard. I thought it was a really good show. I enjoyed it too. It was good. It wasn't the best season of Star Trek I had ever seen. And like, I, I'm getting a little bit annoyed. Like, this is something I kind of thought of after the fact. I'm getting a little bit annoyed at how, like, obnoxiously edgy and R-rated Star Trek has been lately. I will say that. It's like, Star Trek was always meant to be, like, kind of a family-friendly thing. and they, They've got, like, super R-rated with it, which has been, like... And the show that oh, yeah. has been the most, like, classic Star Trek that has come out recently has been The Orville, which isn't even a Star Trek show. You know? <laughs> Star Trek is supposed to push the envelope, but... Letting Quentin Tarantino direct a Star Trek is not the way to go. I've enjoyed all the shows thus far, all the new shows, but thinking about Quentin Tarantino getting his grubby little fat fingers on Star Trek upsets me. Getting his feet all over Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) Are we going to see Uhura's feet? (laughs) I just love the character of Picard, and I love Patrick Stewart, and I love getting getting to see him continue play that character is just a joy, so. I was a kid that grew up with the next generation. You know, I I didn't Mm -hmm. get the first uh, season until after I watched the next generation. So when Picard came out, it was home. It felt yeah. like home. It was warm and it was cozy. TNG was actually the one I grew up with too. Like even though it's, it's technically a little bit before my time, but like I had I had watched uh, TNG with my, like my parents actually introduced me to TNG, and I watched it. Like we all watched it. Me and my brother, and my parents, we we all watched it. Uh, as as the the DVDs came out, we were watching it. Yeah, TNG was definitely the one that I kind of grew up with too. Like I. I I had like maybe watched a couple of scared episodes of TOS and I had seen I had seen Wrath of Khan, I had seen a couple of the movies, but TNG is the one that like really cemented myself as a Star Trek fan. So I'm with you. That that's kind of the one I grew up with too. 
I weirdly grew up with TOS. My family didn't really have television, and we couldn't really constantly get new DVDs, so my aunt had a bunch of old TOS episodes on VHS, so that's that's how I watched Star Trek for the first time. Let's go ahead and slide into the main topic. All right, Godzilla vs. Kong. This is, again, a full spoiler review for Godzilla vs. Kong. Okay, so we're going to start off. Let's talk about the way the first title character is portrayed in this movie. Let's talk about some Godzilla, shall we? Well, when they named the movie Godzilla vs. Kong, I wasn't expecting it to be Godzilla vs. Hong Kong. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's actually pretty consistent with how he's been presented in the rest of the MonsterVerse. He is a little more aggressive this time. I'd say, or a little more obviously so. This is a Godzilla who, after the end of Godzilla King of Monsters, is really embracing that alpha role, trying to be as dominant and throwing his weight around as much as possible. He is still broadly fulfilling the same goals that he has throughout the rest of the franchise, in that anytime there is a destructive force or a force that threatens nature in general or his authority specifically, he will try and defeat it. Godzilla's not very complicated in this movie. He doesn't really take any losses. He almost looks like he does for a second, but I mean, the fight went exactly as you'd expect. He is a titanic nuclear lizard that has been around since the dawn of time. Um, He's got the experience and he's got, frankly, more power, so... Yeah, he, he's gonna dominate. One thing I found a little odd about him was that he has seemingly less regard for human life than normal. Um, in the first Godzilla movie, he actually didn't specifically crash through uh, landmarks and kill a ton of people on his way to take down whatever threats he was facing. He didn't care a lot about buildings, but he didn't, say, knock out a fully inhabited bridge of people or destroy buildings that people were clearly still working in, flatten several restaurants just on his way to, in this case, uh, it actually looks like he's just on his way to, like, burrow a tunnel to the center of the earth and let Kong Hey, bitch, I know you lived. (laughs) So yeah, he's a little less sympathetic in that he really seems to care less about collateral damage than before. But for the most part, he's kind of the same character he was. I still had the same issue I had with Godzilla, King of Monsters, where his sheer scale was a little less noticeable. It really felt like we went from using the full power of our technology to represent a kaiju as best as possible and we went straight to the digital version of rubber suits for fight scenes. He weirdly looked kind of like a dude in a suit a few times despite that not being the case at all and I just found that weirdly distracting. I didn't really like the way Godzilla was handled in this movie. I'm not saying that Godzilla ever went out of his way to avoid collateral damage. But he was negligent to the point of, like, I feel like he just, like, is trying to destroy the city at this point. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, he was he was so just hyper-focused on trying to fight Kong for some reason, because I guess there just can't be two alphas. Like, I still was mm-hmm. kind of nebulous about the whole reason for why they had to fight to begin with. As a whole, it kind of just felt like they have to fight just because that's the name of the movie, so. So they just want to fight each other. Like, okay, <laughs> I guess. 
And I, I know, I just, this isn't my favorite series, so it might seem weird to, to see me, like, having a problem with, like, oh, you disrespected the previous movies, but, like, I kind of felt like with especially Godzilla 2014 and even Godzilla King of the Monsters, as much as I don't care for that movie, and I'll also admit, in hindsight, I think me giving it a 1 out of 10 was a bit extreme. I think it's probably more like a 3 for me, but it's, but even, even so, it's not a movie that I like at all. I do think that there's a respect that those movies have for Godzilla that I felt for me was missing from this movie that I felt that like whenever Godzilla showed up, it didn't feel as significant in this movie. That it were, there was just this thing of, oh, I guess Godzilla's here. The movie almost t- took Godzilla a little too much for granted, in my opinion. There was less weight and there was less importance on him as a character. And I missed Ken Watanabe. I really did. I missed that mm-hmm. character. Like, I think that I just, I missed the absolute respect that he has for, for Godzilla. And I, I think that one one of the problems I have with this movie was was actually feeling the absence of that particular character. Godzilla took that bridge out on purpose. There was no accident there. He bumped up to take it out. In the very beginning, Godzilla went after that uh, CPU, that unit that they turned online. He went after it. Godzilla saw the humans as the enemies from the very beginning of this movie. He did not see Kong as an enemy. From the very beginning, he was trying to show Kong when he finally met Kong, that he was Alpha, but he also needed him. When Godzilla came on, he saw what the humans were doing, he sensed what the humans were doing, and he thought he took out that problem. When he came across Kong, he was trying to take Kong to the center of the earth via the water. He honestly did not know that he was drowning him, but he did let go. Some people will think because of the depth charges, I don't think so. He let go because he realized that he was he was choking. And then when he let Kong go and Kong threw up all of that water, they turned off all of their ships, but he sat there and he waited to make sure Kong wasn't going to try to attack him again. Just to make sure that he knew, yes, he was Alpha, and he realized he couldn't get him to the center of the Earth, and I'm sure Godzilla knew where they were going. So he left them and went straight to where he needed to go, where he sensed the next threat so all through this movie godzilla was trying to get kong to fight with him not against him because in the very end when he could have killed kong twice he did not Uh, he he might have scraped him up a little bit but that was because kong would not calm down godzilla knew there was a bigger threat coming and he was trying to get kong to bring his bitch ass out of the center of the earth and join him in this fight. Kong using a an axe made from a plate of maybe one of Godzilla's ancestors. Or maybe Godzilla. We don't know yet. Tells me that either an earlier Kong killed a Godzilla. Or they made a pact and they were a fighting duo. The ending refers more to a fighting duo because he charged that axe so that Kong could take out the Mecha Godzilla. The whole object of Godzilla, this whole movie, was saying, okay, I understand that you're a young gorilla. I understand that you feel like you've been over this island and you've taken out all of these creatures. I'm not the enemy. But Kong wouldn't listen. Kong was aggressive. So they fought it out. 
to see who was Alpha just so that they could fight together. Because from the very beginning, Godzilla knew he was going to have to fight. And I think that's good writing. I think that some fans will pick that out. Kong versus Godzilla, the three fights between them were not because the movie was called Godzilla versus Kong. It's because they had to get to the bigger fight, the fourth fight of the film. I could buy that. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily think that all of that was, was the intent, but I could, I could buy it. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if, uh, if the director or screenwriter came out and said, and pretty much corroborated that. Like, it's very possible. And I do like that you put this level of thought into these movies. I, I personally don't think that the people who make these movies do, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And you're yeah. probably right. <laughs> <laughs> Again, in talking about Godzilla, we've touched on Kong, but, like, I felt Kong really was kind of the hero of this movie. At least the the way that the movie was constructed, it focused a lot more on Kong, which I was a little bit surprised about because, like, I actually kind of thought it was going to be more of Godzilla's movie, but, like, it was much more Kong's movie. The movie starts and ends with Kong. He's portrayed a bit more sympathetically, I think, and uh, we, we kind of get a little bit more into Kong's psyche, and I, I actually really liked Kong. I think Kong was actually probably my favorite character in the movie, to be honest. <laughs> I said in the Godzilla uh, King of the Monsters review that I don't necessarily view the kaiju as being characters per se. And I think that that was true in, in that movie. I always view Kong as a character because I think that he's always portrayed in a way where he is more anthropomorphized. Not not even just because he's, he's the most human looking, but just he's always approached in a way where I feel like the audience has a little bit more of a window into his thought processes and the fact that he actually does communicate you know he learns a few sign language phrases i thought was really cool and and, and really really neat i do agree that uh, you completely nailed it he is way more anthropomorphized in this movie not drastically more than kong skull island but still a little more i also felt bad for the poor guy he cannot catch a break his parents killed by skull crawlers you know the tribe of really nice fantastic uh natives on skull island apparently wiped out in a horrible storm and apparently he did try and save them but could literally only save one of them which like poor dude and when he finally grows up you know he has to leave his only home he's ever known goes on a dangerous journey to find you know the home of his ancestors only to find wow not only are my parents dead, but apparently my entire race is dead too. Just after I found out that I had an entire race and they had their own civilization going. That is really unfortunate. I found it kind of morbidly hilarious in the moment when Kong, you know, takes the axe and sits upon the throne. It's like, ah yes, he is king, if only because every other member of the royal family is dead. Along with all the other nobility. Yeah, it's kind of by default. He also <laughs> became king by his own hand. <laughs> that is another story. I do like how he is trying to protect the small amount of family that he still has. And I do also enjoy that most of his motivation is, God's sake, I just want to have like a decent place to live. Can I just sit down in my new house for five minutes without somebody using their nuclear breath to blow a hole in the ceiling? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he, he's not as tough as Godzilla, but he's got a lot of moxie. He's got a lot of spirit. That's that's kind of the deal with Kong, is that he's not necessarily the strongest kaiju, but he's a very intelligent one, incredibly spirited, and right alongside Mothra, one of the more conscious kaiju. 
conscientious ones, certainly. I, I enjoyed seeing his story here, him finally getting, like, a bit of a happy ending. So yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed Kong in this movie. I love the idea of seeing an older Kong from Skull Island. Mm-hmm. I think that was pretty awesome. I liked his beard that he had for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really like what they did with Kong. I like the anthropomorphizing of him. I love that you see restraint in Kong because he gets it. He understands that I can't finish off this brawler and I'm going to use restraint not because he wants to save his own life, but because each time he wanted to save the humans' lives. And that's what it came down to. Some people will say love hinders you, love is your weakness, love will keep you down, but Kong's objectives was not to rule the world he didn't want to be man's savior he wanted a home he wanted a family he didn't want the things that godzilla wanted and so he restrained himself the first time we saw him restrain himself was when there was no way he could still fight godzilla you know he had just almost drowned and he jumped off of the boat that he was on to keep godzilla from getting to that girl Because it is his duty to protect that girl. Ultimately, that's his family. And that's his only goal. His only goal is just to protect her. And in turn, he has to protect the humans by bowing down to Godzilla. And he didn't bow down. Godzilla didn't need him to bow down. He just needed him to drop the axe. He just needed him to know that he wasn't a threat. I don't like King Kong movies. Because... It breaks my heart every time. No matter how many times it's remade, no matter how many times it's done, I end up doing the Viola Davis snot all over my mustache cry. So being able to see the Kong from Skull Island live a long life and not seeing humans kill him, the ultimate theme is that humans are the bad guys, that humans are the ones destroying the world. I'm glad to see an older Kong, and I'm glad to see it end like this. I'm glad that it doesn't have to end with one of them dying so that we can continue. Whether or not they decide to continue with the MonsterVerse, I think this is the perfect ending. I think you can write whatever fan fiction you want to write. I think you can do whatever you want to after this, but this is the perfect ending for for this series, for this franchise. I understand you want to make lots of movies. Go get your Ultraman and put him against Godzilla. Go hog wild. I'll watch every one of them, I promise. But this is the ending of this series for me. And I, no matter what they make after this, I'll just consider it something else. They definitely need to wrap it up here because it is the the natural place for this franchise to end. And I also don't want to watch another one of these fucking movies. (laughs) (laughs) I will say that I do agree. Those That was a good sentiment, and I do agree fully with it. On the other hand, I actually said shortly after watching this movie that I would not mind seeing Ultraman suplex Godzilla. That's where I got it from. That's where I got it from. I love that idea. I was like, I want to see that. I would watch Paul Bunyan versus Godzilla. Shit. Actually, yes. I want to see Paul Bunyan and his ox I'd watch it. I'd watch it. I'd put way too much thought into it, too. (laughs) 
Well, let's talk about Troy's favorite part of these movies. The humans! Yay! The humans, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I kind of separate them into... Two. We're not going to talk about every individual character as their own topic because there's just too many. They, they kind of get naturally put into groups anyway in this movie. But uh, I kind of viewed it as like the two main teams. You have Team Kong and Team Godzilla was kind of the way I viewed it. And the only reason I, I have these characters' names written down is because I looked them up on Wikipedia. I don't remember anybody's name. <laughs> Lind, Andrews, and Gia is what I wrote down, which I'm assuming is uh, Alexander Skarsgård and Rebecca Hall and the little girl. I'm assuming is are those three. Lind and Gia. Done. We don't need an Andrews. Madison and Bernie. Or, wait a minute, Josh was conspiracy theorist, right? No, Bernie, Bernie was the conspiracy theorist. Madison yeah. and Bernie. Josh wasn't needed. He was a plot device to yeah. get that little girl a van. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. He wasn't important. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and then at the end, they, they let him save everybody by throwing the liquor into the machine. He wasn't needed. He was a plot device. Get rid of him. I'm just going to go ahead and say, give you a very short opinion for all six of them. I don't care about any of these characters in any way whatsoever. And I don't even mean to the same degree of Godzilla King of Monsters. In Godzilla King of Monsters, I didn't like some of them. Some of them I felt were noble and were interesting. In this movie, I don't have much to say. I legitimately do not care about literally any of them in any way whatsoever. They also serve no purpose to the plot because... If you take all six of these characters out of the movie, Gia is the only one that has to be there. Gia and Lin have to be there because they communicate with Kong. Take everyone else out of the movie except for the villains, and the rest of the movie happens. Madison doesn't do anything. Madison doesn't do any of this movie. Yeah, because Mechagodzilla would not have lost his power had they not stripped him from the satellite. He didn't lose his power. He had a glitch... For a second, and then Kong and Godzilla beat his ass, and you could just as easily not have had the glitch, and they just beat his ass. I can agree with that. And they don't serve any actual purpose to the story. Well, the one thing that Alexander Skarsgård does is he restarts Kong's heart. Lind could have done that. I think we might be having it backwards. I think Lind might actually be Alexander Skarsgård. Hang on, let is me it? look it up. Maybe. I think I think that actually is the case. I couldn't remember their names. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. So it's, it's the other it's the other way around. Like the one person who listens to this who actually remembers the characters' names is gonna get annoyed that we keep <laughs> saying that. So I'm just gonna say Lind is Alexander Skarsgård. Andrews is Rebecca Hall. Team Kong was necessary for this movie. Team Godzilla was not in any way, yeah. and. I just, I don't care about them. They're not interesting, and I don't care about them in any way. I think coming down to it, Andrews, Gia, and Bernie were needed, and that's it. I don't think Bernie needed uh, Madison. They only did Madison because Millie Bobby Brown, her star meter is really high. And Josh, the actor that plays Josh, is fucking awesome. I love him. I love, I mean, Hunt for the Wilder People. But not needed in this movie. Yeah. I think they only needed three total. I kind of agree. I think that there were a few too many characters, and I think most of them were superfluous. So I pretty much agree with both of you. Like, it's weird with Alexander Skarsgård, because, like, I feel like on the surface, it feels like he's supposed to be, like, the main guy of the movie, <laughs> but he weirdly is, like, a non-entity. You know, it's yeah. like, it's it just like, oh yeah, this must be our, like, the, he looks like protagonist, man. And then he just doesn't really do anything in the movie. It's like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, I, I agree with, like, I really love Millie Bobby Brown. 
And I enjoy her character because Millie Bobby Brown, but you're right, she didn't need to be in this movie. She actually didn't. I still like her, and I like her in the movie, but she didn't need to be in the movie. She honestly didn't. I thought that, uh, again, Bernie and Josh were both comic relief, primarily. Bernie, again... did a little bit more to the plot, but he but he and Josh were both definitely mainly the comic relief characters. And I think that they were slightly more successful comic relief than Bradley Whitford from Godzilla King of the Monsters. Just because so. I'm with you, Zach. I thought Bradley Whitford was like I love Bradley Whitford as an actor. He was his character was just obnoxious <laughs> and Godzilla King of the Monsters. That's that's a whole other thing. But yeah, I mean, I liked Gia. I liked her relationship with Kong. I liked Rebecca Hall, uh, Andrews, okay, but I still, like, they keep killing off the best characters and then, like, replacing them with, like, discount versions. It's like, I was, I just miss Ken Watanabe. I really yeah. do. The character yeah. was supposed to be his son, and then he put on a really big, thick Asian accent when he had to say Gojira. He didn't have to say Gojira. I didn't realize that guy until I looked up the Wikipedia. I didn't realize he was supposed to be the son of uh, of, mm-hmm. of that character. Not translated well at all. It was like, that? Really? <laughs> <laughs> they were just like, hey, we need someone Asian, but you gotta make sure they do that Asian accent. I'm not racist. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? Uh, the minute I saw them show up on screen, the minute I saw the main, what is it, Walter Simmons? Yeah, Walter Simmons is, is the main, he's, he's the guy who got taken out by Mechagodzilla when he was standing in the window, yeah. The second he showed up on screen, I'm like, that is a supervillain. He might as well have been twirling his mustache. Like, he was <laughs> so over the top. He was such an over the top, like, cartoon villain like saturday morning cartoon bad guy he mm-hmm. really was i mean yeah. i don't actually have any complaints with him like yeah you know that's his thing he is a 100 percent completely lacking in subtlety supervillain and i'm like okay that's the direction you're going and you succeeded we're taking out godzilla <laughs> yes i have a plan to build mecha godzilla dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I hated him, but I can hear you guys' points. <laughs> but they didn't need the second person. He could have been the one yeah. controlling the Mecha Godzilla. He could have been the one all over it, and he could have been the one to have his brain fried whenever uh, yeah. everything was uploaded. Speaking of, like, parental child things, like, I also didn't realize that Eliza Gonzalez in this movie is supposed to be his daughter. I didn't realize that either until I read on Wikipedia. Well, she keeps saying daddy gets what he wants, and it's like, what? Ooh, yeah. that's dirty. They really did not, like, do a good job of communicating, like, familiar relationships in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely enjoyed the movie, but the script needed one more draft and they needed someone like carrie fisher or like me to go through you don't need this you don't need this you don't need this consolidate this oh let's uh since you've took out all of that other stuff that you didn't need let's add these couple of lines in here so we know that's the daughter okay all right the script needed one more draft and then that entire draft needs to be light on fire and they just start from the beginning god damn it sam I'm sorry, this this was a terrible screenplay. It really was. It was so bad. There was good technique in this screenplay. And I got it. I got what they were going for. There yeah. was really good technique in this screenplay. The only thing is, is that a few characters needed to be stripped. Very much so. Well, let's, uh... Speaking let's of talk plot, about plot what device. The, yeah, what the, what the main villain was trying to do was make Mechagodzilla for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like, that was the thing. It's like, okay, so what? you made Mechagodzilla. I'm going to move past the how and just ask why. <laughs> why did you do this? Like... I love that Ghidorah took over. I love that the stupid head of Ghidorah took over. <laughs> the stupid just... head was the one that was left. You know, it's like <laughs> the slow clone. The first thing that Mechagodzilla does upon achieving sentience, after destroying his creator, so this is clearly, like, in some way, the final remaining sentience of the stupid head of Ghidorah. And the first thing he does is just not even attack Godzilla, but he just starts, like, blasting random buildings all throughout Hong Kong. And I'm like, this is the stupid head of Ghidorah back. This is the stupidest plan that you can think of after getting a new body. I'm gonna say and... it's on purpose. Yeah. Because yeah, it's the yeah. stupid head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is an utter moron who is power drunk on having a body again. And... I love that. It's like, the AI has achieved sentience, but he's in no danger of outsmarting humanity. Let's let's be honest there. Mechagodzilla is Mechagodzilla. He's the big, dumb, extremely campy antagonist that you expect. And again, he's piloted by the stupid head of Ghidorah, and he's exactly what he should be, which is just this big, dangerous idiot. And uh, I, I like that. Yeah, there's no subtlety this, to this fight. It is literally just humanity fucked up and made a monster and Godzilla has to put it down. Or you mean King Kong. <laughs> Godzilla and King Kong have to team up and put it down. We both predicted this whenever it came to that. I was hoping that that's what it would come down to. And that's why I consider it good writing. I know the script could have used another draft, but it's good writing because... It's exactly what my stupid brain thought of. I am the stupid head of Ghidorah. <laughs> I like the way they went. They made as much from the past few movies matter. I think Mechagodzilla was really good, and now I want to see a Power Rangers reboot. The latest one was good. I'm not I'm not hating it. That latest Power Rangers was amazing. I actually really liked it. I want to see a reboot of Power Ranger movies. I just want to see them make sequels to that movie, actually, because I think there's a lot I'm of down really for cool that. they can do with it. Give me a Power okay. Ranger trilogy, um, but I want Ivan yeah. Ooze. I like the fact that they were able to take that post credit scene of Charles Dance finding the stupid mm -hmm. head. They were able to take that and use that in the story without going the lazy route of just bringing Ghidorah back again. Because we've mm -hmm. already seen the Ghidorah fight. So, like, one thing I will give this movie, I'm glad that they found a way to use that without just going the obvious route of we're going to bring back Ghidorah. Having said that, and Troy, you're going to hate this, Mechagodzilla is so fucking stupid. Just as a concept... Just as a concept is so fucking stupid. And it was it was trash in the old movies and it's trash in this one. I'm sorry. <laughs> Can I say one thing? Did yes. you notice they made Mecha Godzilla's arms longer so that he could outreach Godzilla? That way he could throw him around. Did you notice yeah. that? <laughs> We, we realized a big design flaw is that Godzilla's got these little T-Rex arms. <laughs> well, okay, first of all, Bernie, like, sees, sees it as like, oh, it's it's robot Godzilla. And then the, the kid from Hunt for the Wilder People is like, no, it's not. It's Mecha Godzilla. 
Why would you say that if, like, the, the idea of Mechagodzilla doesn't exist? Like, what? That was written with such, like, a fourth wall-breaking, like, awareness of the concept of Mechagodzilla. If Mechagodzilla as a concept has never existed, nobody would say that. Like, it's like, no, that's, it's, it's Robot Godzilla. That's exactly what it is. It's Robot Godzilla. <laughs> The character shouldn't have been in there anyway, yeah, so okay. they had to give him something to say. It just—it was such a nudge, nudge, wink, wink, you know, fourth wall audience break. But just okay. Here's my problem with with this movie. Here's my fundamental problem with this movie is that I feel like, and you know, I probably should just be viewing the movie on its own merits, and that's probably the, the better way to go about it. But I feel like Godzilla 2014, we kind of said, it's a really interesting, we're taking the idea of a kaiju movie, but we're crafting a disaster movie. And we're, we're basically, we're, we're, we're taking this, but like recontextualizing it in a new way. Kong Skull Island is, we're going to do a Vietnam allegory that has monsters in it. And now the series is like, it's gone from like being these kind of, uh, almost like actually fairly smart, you know, mm -hmm. recontextualizing these old kaiju movies. And these movies are just getting stupider and stupider and stupider <laughs> with every one that they make. And I'm just like, what happened to what they were doing? I liked what they were doing before. It's like, and they're, they're just, they just devolves into complete camp at this point. When the first two movies took themselves kind of seriously, and now they're just complete camp. And it's like, what happened to this series? But the yeah. lesson of this movie is we have to stop fighting each other and fight the real enemy. And I think that there's a way that they could have executed that idea better. I just didn't like the execution of this movie, for me personally. We needed know? the camp, Sam. We needed the camp. Yeah. I, I get. I'm, I've never been a big camp fan for myself, but like it has, it has its place. It has its place. All I'm saying is that if in the next movie Ultraman, I don't even know if they have the rights to Ultraman. Probably not. But if in the next movie Ultraman showed up, they fought in Washington D.C., and at some point he gets knocked into the Lincoln Memorial and then comes back wearing Lincoln's top hat and smashes Godzilla with a chair, someone <laughs> says, "And Ultraman is back with a chair." <laughs> If that happened, I wouldn't even be surprised anymore, goddammit. <laughs> I would be screaming. Yeah! And I'd be like, and this is where I check out. <laughs> this is where I walk out of the theater. <laughs> These are the movies I want to make. No, I, I get it. Like, I, I honestly get the appeal of it. And I think if this series had started off with this tone, it would bother me less. I think it's the fact that they started off this isn't what they were doing from the, from the beginning, from Godzilla 2014. This isn't what this felt like this was building towards. And these movies are just getting completely, like, I don't know. Just I just I just think Mega Godzilla is just really dumb, just as a concept. It, I really do. It and felt I, you know, I, I don't even. I think that they've they've gone to the point where they've jumped the shark for me. I really didn't like Mega Godzilla. I didn't like the villains at all in this movie. They were so campy and over the top. And I understand that that's why you like them, but I just it didn't work for me. Have you ever heard of the movie Clown NATO? No, but I actually do kind of want to see that from. <laughs> if I know that a movie is just really embracing the camp from the beginning, then I can more get get behind. It. I think it's just the, to me it's the disconnects between where this series started to where it ended up I think is is more is more my issue with it so that's why you think my movies are okay because you know I'm just aiming for camp <laughs> no exactly but that's the thing it's like and your movies are also more broadly comedic like I feel like that these movies weren't trying to be comedies at least at first and like even this movie isn't really be like if this were like a parody of Godzilla then I, I feel like I'd be more okay with it but I don't know 
Yeah, I get it. Yeah, but no, I, I also get you, you guys. Is I, I get the thing about turn your brain off and just watch a big, dumb, stupid movie. I enjoy the Fast and Furious movies, and those are big, dumb, stupid movies. And, like, I, I enjoy those. So, like, I, I get it. I actually do get it. I used to hate on those movies, but my wife got mm-hmm. me to watch them all the way through, sit down, shut up, and watch them all the way through, and I enjoyed them you have to get past the first three the first especially two and two and three are not good movies but like four through the present actually all really good i actually enjoy all of them but they are campy they're meant to be campy yeah i i enjoy those movies though it's like i don't blame anybody who enjoy and i i will get to you know my thoughts on the end i actually don't hate this movie as much as as much as you might think like it's 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 just not necessarily for me Let's talk about the Hollow Earth. I thought that the Hollow Earth came a little bit out. The concept of it came a little out of left field, and I also wasn't expecting them to go through an actual portal, <laughs> through an actual glowy portal. I thought it was going to be like, oh, we're going to get through this layer of the Earth's crust, and it's going to open up. It's like, oh, there's like some kind of weird like Stargate type thing. All right, I actually did think it was cool. I thought that it was visually really interesting the way that they kind of took a lot of the design sensibilities of Skull Island, but went even weirder with it. I thought was uh, I thought was fun. I so like I enjoyed that the, yeah. the sequence, and that's that's why I was kind of saying that if they did continue this franchise, the way I would want to see them continue it is just set an entire movie in the Hollow Earth. Like a team gets stranded in the Hollow Earth, and they have to escape, and you know they maybe encounter some monsters and encounter Kong while they're down there. I think it would be kind of cool so the hollow earth is a part of i think the hellboy comic books and they went with the idea of journey to the center of the earth bringing that all together bringing all the different written elements of it and it was made for the comic readers the kong comics they have godzilla comics so hollow earth is is a part of it that's why they mentioned it before this movie because they were planning on bringing it through they mentioned it in uh king of all monsters uh i can't remember if they mentioned it in 2014 but they had been planning on using this for a long time i just didn't know which direction they were gonna go with it i absolutely enjoy the direction that they went with it i love that it's just this core mountains here mountains there and in between there's a little bit of gravity transference not as scientific as you would think but i love the sci-fi element of that and it brings out that when i was a little boy and i read journey to the center of the earth these are the books i knew they weren't scientific but these are the books that i would read on a bad day and it was an escape it was this paradise with dinosaurs and dinosaurs for me were real you know, they were the dragons of old. And I was four or five years old saying Triceratops and Tyrannosaurus Rex. You know, I was one of those damn kids that were saying those words. And my mom was like, what? A a, a trap? He wants a Triclosaurus. So it was an escape for me. So as an adult, to see them bring it back to that and to create this beautiful world, it's an escape for me. I enjoy Journey to the Center of the Earth with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Those movies I will always be at. If I'm lucky, I'll get to make one of those movies. Trust me, I'm going to try. The portal thing was very interesting, but they were trying to make it to where Godzilla's energy had to be mixed with Kong's energy so that they would be melded to show that they had to work together and that they weren't enemies. You can tell that's what they were doing. 
that throughout history, these guardians, these titans were a brotherhood or a sisterhood, not necessarily enemies. When I grew up, mine wasn't Journey to the Center of the Earth. Mine was Dinotopia, which is very much along the same lines. I read that book so often, the edges frayed, some pages fell out and had to, you know, paste them back in. Because there's not much plot in that book, but it is just this look at this speculative world of what could have been where humans and dinosaurs are just building society next to each other have had this form of society for thousands of years and it's all strange and anachronistic where you know some of these societies are almost right before the industrial revolution they never go there because they don't need to uh they've got dinosaurs uh you have some that are ancient and almost medieval and you have uh, one of the protagonists actually does explore these enormous caverns under the earth the strange lands beneath i've always loved that far out there speculative what if worlds it's the same reason i like space travel movies is the idea of adding another frontier a frontier that's not there to be conquered the hollow earth isn't to be ruled by humans how the hell could humans rule that it's a place to explore to discover and to see that if there is a society it's one that has to live in concert with these beings and when you get to this hollow earth you get exactly that you have him immediately face off against these giant dragon-like creatures and then take a bite because that was lunch and you immediately see that kong species had their society they had they had built this enormous fortress that dwarfed even Kong. So even he looks small wandering through it. Yeah, the rest of the movie, I'm like, okay, that's whatever. But I really loved seeing The Hollow Earth. I loved seeing that story. It just scratches that old sci-fi loving itch. Those speculative worlds. And Sam was talking about seeing movies where people get stuck mm-hmm. in The Hollow Earth. You're absolutely right, Sam. You're absolutely mm-hmm. fucking right. That's mm-hmm. what I want to see. I wouldn't mind a prequel. I wouldn't mind sequels in the Hollow Earth. That's the future of this monster verse. If that's the way they're going to go, that's that's just what I feel. I hope so. Yeah, of all the things that they could do, that would be the the direction that I actually would be excited about. And I and I agree with both of you. I really like the Hollow Earth in this movie. It actually was one one of the elements that that I enjoyed. Let's get into these fights. Let them fight. <laughs> so Godzilla beat Kong. Round one. They're in the ocean. They're fighting. Godzilla's maybe trying to drown Kong or maybe doesn't know that Kong can't breathe underwater. It's like, oh, everybody can't do that. <laughs> I think he's trying to take him to Hollow Earth because he wraps it's him possible. up really tight. That wasn't the way I viewed it. So I, I never necessarily viewed it as Godzilla was necessarily trying to explicitly kill Kong. But I thought it was like, I need to like definitively beat you so that you know who's boss. Like it's be, I need, I'm trying to beat you into submission. That was always the way that I, I kind of viewed it, especially in the other two fights. I think it's, it's possible. Like I, that wasn't the way I read it at all, but like it's possible that, that that's what was happening there. I thought it was a, it was an interesting fight. It was interesting to see a fight between these characters that's in the water, in which clearly Kong is at a major disadvantage. The water is where Godzilla is at home. Godzilla mm. spends a lot of his time in the water. Kong is a land guy. He's not a water ape. He really isn't. <laughs> you see Godzilla hold back on him. He's more or less playing with him. He jumps out at him and bites at his face. He could have done more at that point. 
He gave him a chance to jump around ship to ship. He toyed with him until shit hit the fan. And then he crawled up and he was like, listen here, whippersnapper. I'm going to spank your tank tank. (laughs) And he spanks his tank tank. Godzilla was out to punish the humans for creating what he was sensing that they were creating. Because Godzilla was sensing Ghidorah. So the fights with Kong, yeah. He was spanking his tank tank to let him know, I am the boss. Uh, mm-hmm. What I say goes. I, I agree with you on that sense. But also, I I think, and I could be wrong. I'm open to being wrong on this one. Because it's one of two things. Either he took him to the depths of the ocean. He wasn't going to drown him. But he took him down there to say, listen, bitch, I can live down here. All right? And then he mm-hmm. lets him go. Or either he takes him and he's like... I'm going to take you to this magical place that you're going to love, and you're going to get this axe, okay? Now, I'm going to be like your fairy godmother. Oh, shit, you can't breathe. And then he lets him go. Who knows? <laughs> Those are the two things that play out in my head. I think that you're pretty much right that Godzilla's playing with him, because early on in the fight, one of the first things he does is just, Swimming through the water, his back fins scythe through one of the destroyers. He could have done that to literally all the ships. He could have done that to the ship Kong was on, and the fight would have been over. Because Kong is, he's strong, but is he swim thousands of miles to Antarctica strong? Doubt it. If he cut through the ship the, the right way, he could have uh, bisected Kong while he was on it too. Could, could have darted exactly. him. No, you're right. He's not, he was not out to kill Kong. He was out to very firmly establish, I'm the alpha around here. I know we haven't met yet, but you need to learn this. (laughs) And I don't think personally that he was trying to get them to the Hollow Earth, but it is possible because we do know that Godzilla, it's actually mentioned in King of Monsters that Godzilla does know the routes to and through the Hollow Earth. He's very familiar with those. And he does get there through waterways. So it's entirely possible that he could have been taking Kong to a waterway entrance of the Hollow Earth. But it also could have been just as likely to intentionally half-drown him and say, Any time. Any time. All I have to do is get you into the water. That was more the way I read it. I agree with you, Zach, in, in your interpretation. I just liked the way he nipped at him in the beginning. It was oh, so yeah. playful. <laughs> Kong just misread the whole situation. This is this is supposed to be a mating ritual. Yeah! <laughs> it was a booty call. I was, I was flirting the whole time. Alright, let's talk about Godzilla v. Kong round two. The first fight, just the one-on-one fight between them in Hong Kong, I think was a little over the top in terms of the level of city destruction, personally. But like, that's the kind of thing, like, I'm always the only person that always thinks about that. What about the people in the buildings? And like, nobody else cares, no, but I'm always I, I was like, thinking about the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I think that when I watch Man of Steel too, I'm always like, of course, like, BVS helped justify that after the fact by actually acknowledging yeah. it, but it's so just like, oh, but, yeah, no, okay. <laughs> it was so much fun watching Kong get to do the Yoda thing. Watching him mm-hmm. jump off the buildings and come back, and the way that he would grab Godzilla and turn him around, and you got to see him in his own little world where he was actually mm-hmm. fighting, trying the fight. Uh, once again, Godzilla was holding back. Sure, he tried to use his fire a few times, but the one time he hit him, he had the chance to go straight through him, and he just skinned him. He just singed a little bit of hair just to say, all right now, you're getting a little tough there. I'm going to have to bring out the claws. <laughs> My main thing on this fight, it's it's a ton of fun, but 
there are parts of it which intentionally or no, this is the one I mentioned earlier, the men in rubber suits. This is the one that really does have several shots where I'm like, this looks like they are men in rubber suits smacking each other. And... I don't think it helped that this particular version of Hong Kong was neon lit across all the buildings so that they looked like cardboard neon lit buildings that someone put together in a warehouse and these were just two men in rubbery suits fighting. With that said, there's some good moments in the fight. I like how Godzilla was clearly more powerful in this fight. This is more Kong's turf though and he did actually get in at least one good shot. I like how after the axe was brought in on one of the nuclear blasts uh, it actually looks as though Kong succeeded in blinding Godzilla for at least a moment. Like He's right in front of Godzilla but it's clear Godzilla can't see him um, at least for a moment. It looks like he if nothing else the flash from the axe overloading blinded him and so I liked also that you had a moment of Kong realizing this and taking a moment to prepare and stealthily attack so i i do miss the kind of weighty giant godzilla movements but one thing i do like about the faster movements is that there's a couple of moments when godzilla gets down on all fours and really starts with these crocodile like moves where he starts moving in much the you know crocodile scamper um going into death roll when he bites kong and i just love that moment as it's a oh shit he is trying harder against Kong than he has against most of his other opponents, employing more speed than he usually does. And at the very end, you know, I agree, he does scratch Kong up, he does beat the shit out of him. In their last roar, he could have easily just unleashed nuclear breath. He just wanted Kong to stay down. He just wanted Kong to recognize that he was beaten. He wasn't actually trying to kill him forever. Well, see, that's fight three. No, that's still fight two. No. Fight three ends with the axe because Kong knocks out Godzilla with the axe. When he's hitting the axe with his flame, he's actually charging it and it's not hitting <clears throat> Kong. It knocks Godzilla out, but the blast back knocks Kong back. And you actually hear one of the characters say, I guess round two goes to Kong. And then Godzilla gets up after that and that's when he gets aggressive. That's when he gets fast. And that's when he actually scratches up. That's round three. I had kind of consolidated that as being one fight too, but yeah. If we're talking like a boxing match, that is round one of the boxing match, Kong wins. Um, and then round two, Godzilla wins. For me, I take the whole match as the fight. Like you said, he was actually fighting him harder than he fought anybody else. And then uh, that's where he scratches him up. And you can tell he's not playing anymore. He puts his uh, foot on his chest and he presses down and he's like, this is the end. And he could have killed him, but instead he just yelled at him for a good 15 minutes. The main thing I didn't like was I didn't like how cavalier it was about the collateral damage because in previous mm. movies, Godzilla was actually more, he wasn't bothered when he happened to like take out a building or two, but like, like I, I, I think about like the end of Godzilla 2014 when he, like, very carefully kind of steps over the wreckage and just, like, goes into the mm -hmm. water. I didn't like how aggro Godzilla was in this movie to the point of just, you know, using his, his nuclear breath, mm. like, going through several buildings and, you know, just like, nah, fuck these humans. And I, I get what you're saying, Troy, about how it's, like, his distrust of the humans at this point. To me, it ju just came across as, uh, I, I, I didn't like seeing Godzilla kind of portrayed in that way, personally. Mm. And that was, my, that was my main problem with this fight, is I think it just was way too collateral damage happy. But I enjoyed seeing Kong 
Godzilla is faster than we've seen him before, but Kong still was able to use his... Like, he has more agility over Godzilla and has mm-hmm. more mobility and more ability to, like, climb and get up high and stuff like that. And I enjoyed seeing Kong really fight like a primate of, I'm going to get up high and then come at you from above. It was seeing both of them kind of on equal ground and each of them using their own skill sets against each other and each giving each other the fight of their life. I thought that that aspect of it I I actually enjoyed. So, uh, and then we're going to go the final round, which is the tag team, Godzilla and Kong v Mechagodzilla. I liked how Mechagodzilla was constantly spewing pollution every time he used his jump jets, you know, very much establishing that this is humanity, still not caring about nature, still not caring about uh, the effect that they have. This is a big, dumb, wasteful robot that humans built just because they want to stay on top still. And Ghidorah is more than happy to take advantage of that. Or the dumb head of Ghidorah was more than happy to take advantage of that. I can't help but imagine that, like, that head was thinking, well, you know, when he finally took over Mechagodzilla, it's like, aha, who is the dumb one now? Still him, but. <laughs> yeah, this this one felt like the most wrestlery, partially because they were, like, literal wrestlers, or they were, like, almost suplexing him and, you know, tag-teaming, grabbing each other. This is the one that made me realize, okay, this movie is a WWE fight. It is a big, almost soap opery excuse to get big, beefy dudes to fight in a ring. Except the big, beefy dudes are, in this case, a giant primate, a nuclear lizard from the dawn of time, and the resurrected foe of the nuclear lizard from the dawn of time, now in a robot body with laser breath. Yeah, the the more I say it, the more that sounds like a WWE plotline. It was a fun fight. I liked seeing them work together. I liked seeing that moment where Godzilla charges up Kong's axe to, you know, beat him down. I liked also, there's this one moment that I liked that showed that this is very much Ghidorah. Because Ghidorah has a sort of cruelly ironic way of fighting. Where at one point he starts to pry Godzilla's jaws open to do the same move that Godzilla had done on the Muto in the first movie and Kong comes in at the last second to prevent that from happening. I really liked that somehow even though Ghidorah is not a character who speaks you know, this body's very different from his original one you could still see a couple of moments that said yeah this is Ghidorah this is that kind of cruelly ironic fighter who loves messing with people just as much as he loves killing them. All I got to say is long arms are a bitch! (laughs) (laughs) Whenever I watched it, when I watched it the second time, the first time I watched it, I watched it at midnight. My family was asleep, so I had to keep covering my mouth. (laughs) But I will say, when I watched it the second time, I watched it in uh, in the office, and they were throwing Godzilla around. And when he was throwing him through all of those windows and buildings, I was like, you get a building, and you get a building, and you get a building! I'm. That's all it was. For everyone who loves a little wrestling, we get to see something giant kick something else giant's ass. That's it. And then we get to see two of the greatest giants beat the ass of, let's call it the Russians. That's basically what it is. You got the the Westerners and the Easterners going after the Russians. And that's what it comes down to. Godzilla has to punish the people. Kong has to say, no, 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 that's too much. Let's go after this robot. 
and then they're just wreaking havoc with this robot and then you get to see them tag team and that's it it doesn't it's yeah. it's not supposed to be intelligent it's not supposed to be great it's supposed to be a wrestling match where simple folk like myself can sit back and say oh he beat the shit out of him <laughs> <laughs> And our next fighter, Fire Nation Man! Now to sing Fire Nation. I got simple needs. Sometimes I just need to see some kind of monster beat up on another monster. And I think that that was my problem with this fight. I actually really didn't like this fight, and the reason I did it was because it just felt, once Godzilla and Kong teamed up, it just felt too easy. It felt like there weren't mm-hmm. really stakes to the fight. They they just tagged him and would kick his ass, and that's it. Even as, as someone who, like, I don't necessarily love this movie, like, I still want the climactic fight to feel like it has some stakes to it and some tension to it, even though we know that they're going to beat him. Like, at least pretend, like, you know, give me some moments of peril for these heroes, mm-hmm. and they just kick his ass. The moment where Godzilla charges up Kong's axe, pretty cool. That was a pretty yeah. cool moment. I enjoyed it, but I think that 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 would have had more weight if it was done as this kind of Hail Mary of like, you know, they really are like on the ropes, like both of them are hurting, you know, they're not sure if they're, they're going to be able to beat this guy, and then they, they kind of, alright, it's like you always get the, the communication between Godzilla and Kong, like, alright dude, I don't know if this is going to work, I'm going to try something. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I would have liked to have seen that be more of a desperate moment, but like, the, the whole fight was just underwhelming to me, it's like, okay, and they just kicked his ass. I guess the movie's over now, alright. That was the showdown we were building towards? Okay. That's the <laughs> metaphor of the movie. Let's stop fighting each other and fight together, and then we can conquer anything. I mean, I get it. I just think that from a tension and from a stake standpoint for for the movie, I would have liked to have seen it be a little harder for them. But that, that's just me. Like, I just don't like it when, when the, the climactic fight just kind of lacks that kind of weight and is over too quickly. It's, it was kind of my feeling on it. Yeah. I agree with you. Your complaint yeah. is legitimate. Okay, well, uh, let's go ahead and score this, Biosh. One out of ten. I go back and forth, like, as far as whether I like this one better, whether I like King of the Monsters, I guess it's a question of which one I dislike less, you know? Because <laughs> I think with King of the Monsters, at least I hated it. I know that's a weird thing to say, <laughs> but at least it elicited an emotional reaction from me, even if it was hate. This movie, I got to the end of it, it was like, okay, that was a movie that I watched. It, it's a bit of an example of what I was talking about when Zach and I did the Chaos Walking review, which I'm sure none of you guys heard since no one's watched that movie. But I kind of talked about the idea of a cotton candy movie, which what I mean by this is a movie that is fine enough when you're watching it, but just doesn't stay with you afterwards. Which is like, you eat cotton candy, it's sweet while you're eating it, but it doesn't stay with you. You know, that's that's the idea. This is a cotton candy movie, but it's like sugar-free cotton candy. It's like, it's not like that great when you're eating it. <laughs> it's like, okay, this almost sort of tastes like cotton candy, I guess. It's sort of, I guess, I'm definitely getting the cotton consistency, if nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> So, I, I don't particularly like the movie, but I don't even feel strongly enough about it to hate it either. That's kind of my, my opinion of the movie. <laughs> you know what? Because I liked Kong, and because I like the Hollow Earth, I'll be a little more generous to this one, and I'll give it a 4 out of 10. I liked Kong. I liked the Hollow Earth. I liked Kong's relationship with Gia. And the rest of the movie was big, dumb, stupid fun. 
that I had fun watching, but I kind of agree with you, left no strong impression even directly after watching it. I was just thought, okay, that was a movie. Four out of ten. Same for me. King of the Monsters was still my favorite because it was well written. But this is a very close tie. And I say tie, but I really mean like incy bincy tinsy wincy like the size of my penis is so small <laughs> difference in the movies and the only reason why i say that king of the monsters is better is because of the stronger script i feel like three of the six lead characters could have been cut and i feel like that they could have went off of less of device plots but I am so thankful for all of the cheese that was brought in. I get it a 9 out of 10. These movies are supposed to have this hidden metaphors. And each one of them from 2014 to now have. The thing about movies, me as a comedian, I like writing things. And I like writing horror and comedy. And I like mixing them in together. Because I like to hide my political views what i think of as morals into these stories i love doing horror anthologies because i get to apply the cheese i love cheese it is my favorite i am so fat because i love cheese and i was given the cheese in this movie that was absolutely needed so yes it is a nine out of ten for me I, I, it's one of those things, like, the more I, I look back on this series, I can see where a lot of my problems with these movies are kind of my issues, and I definitely see where somebody would enjoy these movies. Kong Skull Island was definitely my favorite of these, and that one was just a completely different movie than all the rest of these, and that was part of the reason why I liked it so much. And and I like Godzilla 2014. It took me two viewings to, to get there with that movie, but like, I, I actually do really like that movie a lot, too. And again, I would be down for if they, if they did continue this what we were talking about of a hollow earth movie i'd be extremely down for that this movie's been doing really well like even box office wise in the theater despite the fact that we're still kind of on the tail end of the pandemic and there's still some theaters not open it's still making a lot of money in the box office so i actually have a feeling they might do more just because of the business it's done if the theaters open up here and it's in there i am damn sure gonna go watch it a couple of times in theaters just because i want to feel the sound you want to give me a yeah. trilogy in theaters? I'll go watch it too. Zach, where can the folks find you? The folks can find me on Facebook at Zachariah Schneider. They can find me on Twitter at Zachariah Schneider as well. Specifically at Zachariah Schne4. That's Zachariah, S-C-H-N-E-4. I will say that you can find me on the corner of Hollywood and Vine. I am uh, not an expensive hooker, but I will act in almost anything you ask me to act in. (laughs) (laughs) You can find me under Troy Hensley under most social media. I do not have a Twitter. I don't twat much, but yeah, there we go. Facebook, Instagram, Troy Hensley. Be careful what you look for because you just might find it. And <laughs> My name is Sam Wilson. Yes, that is my real name. No, I am not the Falcon. You can find me on Instagram <laughs> at scwilson underscore actor. That is S-C-W-I-L-S-O-N underscore actor. You can follow my band. We just changed our name to Running Riot. So look for Running Riot on Instagram. I think that the uh, Facebook page is still called Midnight Voltage. So look for Midnight Voltage or Running Riot riot that's that's our name we have a single out called head to cali we're going to be doing some more recording soon and you can follow nerd shit at the nerd shit podcast on 
Facebook, and Instagram, and at the Nerd Shit on Twitter. We post new episodes every week. At once a week, I'll just say once a week. You know, once a week we come out with new episodes. We're about to start Game Shit. Is about to uh, we're about to do our first episode very very soon. So if you're a video gamer, like make sure you keep an eye out for that, and make sure that you subscribe to Nerd Shit. On Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or iHeartRadio. We're just called Nerd Shit with an exclamation point. And if you see a poop emoji with nerd glasses and a laser gun, then that is us. Next week, Firefly. Take my love, take my land. A Western sci-fi made by a man who is not at all controversial. My apologies ahead of time for the people of which I'm going to call strokes next week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll get into it. But yes, uh, for Zach Schneider and Troy Hensley, I'm Sam Wilson. Thank you for joining us for Nerd Shit. Nerd Shit. Stay shitty nerds. Nerd Shit. Nerd Shit. So strap on in because we're talking about the Nerd Shit.